Welcome to Public Health Out Loud, public health for the public. Hi, I'm Dr. Jim McDonald. And I'm Dr. Phil Chan. Welcome, everyone. And Dr. Chan, it's great to be with you again. Always enjoy our conversations. It's amazing that we actually get to have these conversations. Like I marvel at the internet for so many reasons, not the least of which is we can get together via the internet and just have this wonderful time. And today we're talking to Aaron Bertoldi and we're talking about breastfeeding today. So I'm very excited to talk about this wonderful form of natural nutrition, uh, something that's been around for as long as the species, quite frankly. Uh, but Aaron, welcome to Public Health Out Loud. And I want to just start with, hey, Aaron, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here? Sure, happy to. Thank you so much, Dr. McDonald. Thank you, Dr. Chan. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, so I want to just thank you so much for having me on here today with you. And um, I'd also just like to take one minute to thank both of you for your leadership, dedication, and compassion the last two and a half years. And you've both made me really proud to say that I am a member of the Rhode Island Department of Health team. So thank you. So my name is Erin Bertoldi. My pronouns are she and her. I I am the state breastfeeding coordinator here at the Rhode Island Department of Health. The position here resides in the WIC program, which is the special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children. I've been here at the Department of Health for over seven years in this position for four. My previous work includes nonprofits, health insurance, uh, corporate wellness. I'm a lifelong Rhode Islander. I feel like I should throw a little love to Cranston out there. Um, so uh, I went to college at URI and Rick, and um, I've just always been intrigued in how nutrition assists to prevent disease and promote optimal health. So that's kind of where uh, it brought me here uh, at the Department of Health. Uh, on a personal level, I'm a mother of two young children, ages four and six, and I had two very different breastfeeding journeys with both of them. So I'm just really fortunate to serve in this role uh, so we can continue to help families in their breastfeeding journeys. Wonderful. And thank you, Erin, so much for joining us today. And, and thank you for the kind words in the beginning. And thank you for all you do on behalf of the Department of Health. I mean, you are the statewide breastfeeding uh, champions. And I think that we've learned, uh, certainly with some of the news events, which we'll talk about perhaps in a second, but we've learned how important and how critical that is, obviously, and certainly the health and the nutrition of our kids early on. And I'm going to admit, I have a you know an 11 uh, and a 14-year-old at the moment, and I'm an adult physician. So I don't know a whole lot about breastfeeding, and I'm excited to learn a little bit about that today. But let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, the major clinical organizations and kind of the major pediatric uh, kid organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, recommends that infants be exclusively breastfed for the first six months of life. So why is that? What is it about breastfeeding that's so important? Why is it recommended during the first six months of life? Breastfeeding really gives babies a healthy start to their life. There's so much growth and development that takes place. Breast milk is the optimal nutrition for infants. It has everything that it needs. It has the vitamins, the minerals, the nutrients to really help promote health. And it also helps to reduce the risk of infection and illness. It has a protective component to it. So there's so many health benefits. It's the breast milk itself is very easily digestible. So, you know, as you're, uh, you know, an infant, you know, a lot of your systems are getting used 
to doing what they have to do. So it's very gentle among the digestive system. It's an amazing bonding opportunity, right? And just to have that connection to the parent and, 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 and the infant is just, it helps the baby feel warm, secure, and safe. It's a nice connection for the baby yeah. mom dyad, isn't it? You know, and it's funny. One of the things you remind me of is breast milk is always served at the right temperature. Mm. And generally it's readily available too. And it's it's just one of those little side benefits of breastfeeding. And and I I think, you know, as we get through that, like you've talked a bit about some benefits of breastfeeding. I think there are really good benefits. Like, you know, one, it's readily available Two, Mm -hmm. serve the right temperature. The nutritional benefits are really there as well. Mm -hmm. What about some of the challenges of breastfeeding? I mean, you know, I mean, I've been a pediatrician for 32 years. Doesn't work for everybody. Um, And we have conversations in the office sometimes about what are the challenges But I'm just curious from your point of view, what are some of the challenges about breastfeeding? So I think the first thing to mention is the fact that for both the parent and the infant, it's something new that they have to learn. And anytime we learn a new skill, it it may take some time, it may take some practice, it may take getting a little help from some specialists. So So sure, there can be some challenges initially, um, you know, with trying to make sure that you're positioning the baby correctly, making sure that there's an appropriate uh, successful latch onto the breast. There's also, you know, could be some complications. Maybe, you know, if you don't have a great latch, there could be some soreness, uncomfortable. And also, you know, there's another complication that maybe, you know, there's an issue with milk supply and, and, you know, maybe the milk supply hasn't been fully established yet. So that can sometimes be a concern, but I think ultimately it's challenging because, you know, you can feel alone. Like, why is my body? It's new. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things I run into a lot is, especially when it's the first time a mom is breastfeeding. Like, I think there's sort of this this pressure, like, oh gosh, everybody else is doing this. I hope I can do it. Sometimes I've seen this happen to me where in the exam room, the milk doesn't come in till the baby's been born for three days. So in the mm-hmm. first two days, babies get very little. Um, and sometimes that can be discouraging to, to moms. And I tell them, look, just keep feeding your baby. The milk's going to come in. The colostrum, you know, is it's great, very nutritional for your baby. But sometimes moms are like, I don't know if I can do this. And, you know, it, it, it can be deflating to a mom if it's not going well. And I've had that conversation. And part of my job as a pediatrician is make sure mom feels supported, encouraged, yeah. and happy. And like, hey, you can do this. I can help you. Um, not, you know, not to be worried about it. Because, you know, in the beginning, when you're doing anything new, I don't care who you are, people are nervous. And they're like, how do you figure this out? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it does take a little bit of figuring the darn thing out. That's for sure. Let me go back to Dr. Chan on that. Yeah, thank you, Dr. McDowell. And thank you, Aaron. And that's a word I haven't said in a while, colostrum. Uh, <laughs> being an adult uh, physician, always looking to push my horizons here. But let me ask you a question that I did wonder about, but I, you know, I, since you're the expert here, talk to us about the difference between uh, breastfeeding uh, and, and formula. Why would you choose one or the other? Does breastfeeding really offer that many more benefits than formula? How do you think about the formula versus breastfeeding conversation? Yeah, so that's a, a great question. Um, a, a question that we, you know, get asked a lot. And it really uh, comes down to the fact that breast milk is unique to the individual baby. So it's being made by the parent and based on their antibodies. And then it's being deli- delivering those to the infant, which is something that formula doesn't have. I want to preface this and say that there's no need to have an argument about breastfeeding versus formula feeding. You really can't say that they're both the same. Um, and it's, it's, it goes to the fact that breast milk is a live organism that is being developed and changing 
to meet the baby's needs over time. And that's something that formula can't unfortunately do. But I have to say that, you know, I am grateful that we have formula available because there are certain situations where, you know, maybe the parents can't breastfeed or maybe they don't want to. And infant formula is a source of nutrition for those infants. There's no place for any shame or blame, only respect and and support. And like Dr. McDonald said, support is everything. And it's funny, like I've never heard of the healing power of blame and shame. It mm. just, it doesn't heal anyone, you know, it's just no. interesting. And it's part of the experience as a human, um, but it doesn't have a healing power. I, I want to just talk a little bit now about the WIC program. WIC stands mm. for Women, Infants, and Children. Um, it's, you know, a national program. And every mm-hmm. state has one. Um, so, but one of the things the WIC program does here is support expecting families and new parents through their breastfeeding journey. Can you talk about what that support looks like? What kind of resources are available to support breastfeeding? The WIC program is an an amazing resource for families. You know, we service about 53% uh, of Rhode Island births. So we're working with the pregnant individuals and their infants. And so we start our, our education early on in the pregnancy about feeding plans, the importance of breastfeeding. Participants have access to breastfeeding peer counselors who are individuals who have experience with the WIC program and also experience firsthand with breastfeeding. So they provide education and guidance. Again, it's something new. So you may not have family support. You may not have the education that you would like, you know, going into thinking about what your infant feeding plan is going to look like. So our breastfeeding peer counselors are amazing. They start the education early on in pregnancy and then follow up after the baby has been delivered. We also have uh, a part of our food packages. So WIC offers um, healthy foods because WIC is a public health nutrition program. So we offer healthy foods to support the pregnancy. And then thereafter, if you're breastfeeding, the foods are tailored to that of a breastfeeding participant. So that is unique in that sense. We also help staff lactation consultants in our birthing hospitals. So we have those clinical specialists in the hospital setting, really helping our families get a a good start with breastfeeding. Yeah, wonderful, Erin. Thank you. And you know, you had touched on this, but I kind of wanted to drill down on this because I think that this is super important. And this was an issue uh, with my first child as well, is that there's a lot of anxiety out there, right? When a newborn mom, first kid, never been through this before, and they're they have, you know, the the newborn has trouble latching on, has trouble feeding. And I remember anxiety, and certainly my wife had anxiety, but it's kind of a basic human function, right? Mm-hmm. Feeding. It's just normal first off and maybe some stories that you have and and just reassurance and does it get better in everyone? And, you know, maybe just expanding on that a little bit. Yeah, of course. It, I mean, you're, you're bringing life to the world and now, you know, you're the sole responsibility to feed it and to help it grow and make sure that it's safe and nurtured. So yeah, of course. No pressure, gonna, by the way. Yeah. No pressure, oh my gosh. Right? Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. There's lots of anxiety. I know. Uh, I'm getting palpitations right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just no, but it, it's That's true. It's a thing. Right. But it's like, you're a mom. It's yours. It's like pressure. Keep going, Aaron. Yeah. But I even recall like when I had my daughter who's six, you know, uh, we tried to latch. Latching would not work. It was really stressful. She wasn't gaining weight. So the lactation consultants in the hospital helped me learn how to hand express so that I could get my milk supply going, which was so helpful. And so then I, you know, was able to get my milk in and, you know, I 
still was never able to let my, get my daughter to latch, unfortunately. So what I ended up doing was exclusively pumping and feeding her that expressed milk in a bottle for over a year. So, and I think that that's also something that maybe people don't think about doing, you know, if they're really right. not comfortable feeding directly at the breast, if you've got milk, you can feed your baby. A lot of people get a breast pump. You know, it's mm-hmm. covered by a lot of health insurance. It it's, it's all electric. health insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a way to do this. You know, and it's like, I, you know, I have plenty of, of moms who are like, this worked for me. And it's, you know, it, a lot of moms need a breast pump. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they go back to work mm-hmm. and they want to store some breast milk in the freezer. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, and it, it's it's really a reasonable thing to do. But, you know, one of the things you highlight for me is like support groups are important. You know, mm-hmm. and I think we should talk about like, why are there breastfeeding support groups what do they do in my, why might somebody benefit when it comes to um, a support group? Any thoughts on that? Support is everything. You need to have support at home, whether it's your partners, parents, if there's grandparents involved, uh, if you have friends who have experience, having those conversation helps to ease the anxiety that Dr. Chan's talking about. And it helps to really transition your life into this new world of parenthood and, and being, you know, very much responsible for the overall nutrition and growth of your infant, particularly, you know, when I think about the pandemic and, you know, not having support groups, you know, because a lot of them did eventually go into virtual, but having that connection with other families who are going through the same thing just validates that it's okay to, to be nervous or, you know, having that support to get through the tough times. Well, I know that person got through that challenging time and look at them now, they're persevering. I can do this too. And, you know, those support groups also are staffed by either uh, lactation consultants or certified lactation counselors. So you're getting some guidance so that, you know, you are feeling more comfortable with your breastfeeding journey. And so just having that is essential. Uh, and the WIC program offers that too, with, you know, follow up with our peer counselors. You know, there's a lot of resources out there, even um, doulas here in Rhode Island do great work postpartum with breastfeeding. And so it's really just important to find your supports. If it's family, counselors, consultants, support is everything. We are talking to Aaron Bertoldi, the uh, statewide breastfeeding champion here at the Rhode Island Department of Health. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, one question I want to ask, and this has been a change over the last five or six years, I would say, you know, uh, certainly in some of the organizations that I practice healthcare in, we're seeing more and more breastfeeding specific places throughout work settings. And there are now laws encouraging employers to provide reasonable accommodations for breastfeeding in the workplace. Can you tell us about the origin of these laws and, and why it's important in general? Sure. It's important to have these protections in place because individuals do have to go back to work, go back to school, and they need to feed their baby. So they need to have accommodations that are not in a bathroom stall, but are safe and clean so that they can express their milk that can be then uh, fed to their babies. So yeah, we have those protections here in Rhode Island. No, we also have the law that says that you can breastfeed anywhere in public. You don't have to question that. It won't be frowned upon. If it's in public, you can feed your baby just as you would feed your baby uh, a bottle. So we have those protections there. So uh, I think we do a pretty good job in Rhode Island. Uh, We finally have a a lactation room in our uh, airport here at uh, TF Green. That took a really long time because I certainly remember using a bathroom to pump when I was using that airport. So we're getting there. Um, We have the support. But of course, there's 
some workforces that make it a little bit more difficult. And, uh, you know, so here at the state, we have worked with uh, different organizations who need a little technical assistance in making that happen for their employees. But overall, yes, the laws that we have in place are really helping to protect and promote the breastfeeding dyad. You know, it is kind of odd we had to have laws to actually accommodate something which is natural and normal. Quite frankly, if the if we didn't have breastfeeding, the species doesn't perpetuate mm-hmm. um, because that was necessary. But Aaron, we're, we're having a great conversation about breastfeeding, and this has been wonderful. However, there are families out there for which breastfeeding, quite frankly, may not be an option for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. How does the WIC or the Women, Infants, and Children program support those families? I would just say that all families deserve and receive support no matter how they decide uh, to feed their baby. And that that should be the norm. And that is certainly the norm with the WIC family. Um, families are always treated with respect. You know, the services that are offered are, you know, are very similar uh, as far as, you know, nutrition education, healthy eating guidance, um, as well as instructions on how to properly use infant formula, healthcare referrals uh, if needed uh, for those who are on the program. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. And I, I want to change gears a little bit to... Uh you know, very timely news story that, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, not listening to the news you're uh, aware of, and that's a formula shortage here in the United States of America. I guess, have you been receiving questions about that? You know, why is it such a big deal? You know, is it a big deal? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's a huge deal. Um, and it's, it's actually something that we here have been dealing with since February. So it didn't really get out into the news until, uh, you know, later than that. But yeah, because of supply chain issues, you know, there's been shortages. Um, And then we had the, you know, the shutdown of the plant in Michigan. So yeah, oh my gosh, it's, it's been a super stressful time. And, you know, our hearts go out to the families who are experiencing this. So of course, we're promoting breastfeeding. But at the same time, yes, we've been helping families locate the infant formulas that they've that they need. Here at the Department of Health, we have great relationships with the vendors, the stores throughout the state. So we work with them to identify what they have in stock, what they're getting in stock, so that families haven't really had to go to, you know, five or six different stores. You know, we have been uh, stepping in and helping them locate the products that they need. But, you know, it's absolutely been a stressful situation for the whole country, for sure. It has been stressful. You know, one of the things I think about when you're when you're a parent, you know, I think when you think about it, if you're trying to feed your baby and you can't find food, that just triggers part of our parent brain, which just yeah. goes to a dark place really quickly. And it just, it gets frustrating. Um, so I, you know, I think it's important that we, you know, find ways to, I'm just curious though, you know, with the formula shortage, it's created some attention about breastfeeding that's been positive. Do you see an increase in, in parents choosing to breastfeed during this time? And, and if so, let's chat about that a little bit. Yes, we absolutely have been seeing an increase. Uh, there's an increase in curiosity and wanting to learn more. You know, especially at the WIC program, we've been stepping in, giving education, helping support that. And there's also been an intri- interest in relactation. So there are some families who maybe stopped breastfeeding but want to try to get their milk supply up and going again. So I've we, never heard the word relactation. Yeah. That needs to be explained to me. That, so let's I'll talk about that. What is that? <laughs> I was going to so say, this, how does that work? 
it can be challenging. If you want to do it, you should definitely be working with a specialist, international board certified lactation consultant here in Rhode Island. You want to work with them. But yeah, essentially it can be done, but it takes it takes some time. And so we have been helping families do that. You know, you know, it could be putting the baby to the breast again, doing the skin to skin, really stimulating the milk production. Also, you know, using a breast pump could be helpful to try to relactate. So there's been a lot of that going on. And I would also say that, you know, with breastfeeding, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. There are some families who are doing both. They're doing some breastfeeding and some formula feeding. And, you know, our stance on that is any amount of breast milk is amazing. You're going to get benefits. So we are certainly praising those families who who are doing that. And there's also been some families here who maybe didn't breastfeed their older children, but are now interested to try with their their child who will be uh, delivered soon. So it's just been interesting. And we are, you know, helping as much as we can during this stressful time and really just want to get the message out. You know, we're here for you. Reach out if you want more information, if you need support, uh, if you need help, you know, sharing about the, the laws that are here in Rhode Island. You know, we're certainly here for you. Yeah, thank you. And I think uh, given that there's probably a lot of questions about this, I mean, what are the resources? What are the, let me rephrase that. What are the trusted resources mm. <laughs> um, that people can be referred to, to for issues about this, including any services the Department of Health offers? Sure. I absolutely recommend the WIC breastfeeding website. It has an amazing amount of resources. Every, anything you can think about in, related, in relation to breastfeeding is there and is displayed in a way that it's easy to understand. So I absolutely recommend that website. Um, here at the Department of Health, we also have a website. So if you just type in breastfeeding in the search bar, we can then connect you to resources. Uh, so those are the two main that I think I would uh, certainly recommend starting with. But of course, you can also work with your medical providers, uh, your pediatrician, your um, OBGYN, and they can help share some resources too. So we're coming to the close of our episode. I want to offer some pediatrician advice at this point, mm. since I am a pediatrician. So let's chat up a little bit about breastfeeding. Um, you know, one of the things about breast milk, it's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very affordable, um, always served at the right temperature, readily available. So it definitely benefits. One of the other things just to keep people in mind, it's like, you know, how often do people breastfeed the beginning? So like when I see newborns, I tell people like, gee, generally when you get out of the hospital first every two hours. And I tell people it's about 10 minutes um, each breast. And then, you know, you don't get much, but keep going. You know, generally what I tell people is when the baby gets about seven pounds, seven and a half pounds, you're feeding babies about every four hours. When they're about 12 pounds is when babies are sleeping through the night. And that's when babies are about 10 weeks old. It's kind of interesting. There's two big milestones for parents that happen when the baby's about 10 weeks old. Then generally it's when the baby sleeps through the night. And it's also about the same age when the baby has their first laugh. And it's interesting, Aaron, when I used to work on the Navajo reservation, there was a, there's a cultural tradition among the Navajo is that when the baby laughs for the first time, that's when the baby's spirit is alive. And whoever causes the first laugh is responsible to either give the family a goat or have a party. Either was acceptable. <laughs> so on that note, I want to draw our episode to a close and I want to thank Aaron Bertoldi uh, from our you know, state breastfeeding advocate, breastfeeding expert at the Rhode Island Department of Health. Thank Aaron for joining us today. Uh, but one of our traditions at Public Health Allowed is to end with the final word from Dr. Chan. Dr. Chan, what's the final word for today? Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. McDonald. And thank you, Aaron, again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. I've certainly learned a lot. 
And I want to, uh, in closing, leave our audience with a moment of Zen to consider throughout the rest of your day. And here it is, a quote from Mother Teresa. Spread love wherever you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Thank you all and be well. I want to thank Stephanie Menders, our executive producer. Carol Stone, our technical director. I'm Dr. Jim McDonald. Have a good and keep up the great.